this morning, the word I want to speak to you is found in John chapter 2. If you want to turn with me there in your Bibles, if you have them or on your phones. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And just to give you some pretext, Jesus has just been baptized in John chapter 1. He, he begins gathering his 12 disciples, begins waiting for God's call for him to, to start his ministry. He's gathered his team. He's been baptized and confirmed by the Holy Spirit and by uh, his Father in heaven, and he's ready to go. And what we see happen here in this story, in this scripture that we're about to read, it's the very first recorded miracle in the ministry of Jesus. And it's a statement of what Jesus has the power to do. That he's the power to perform miracles of transformation. That, that he is the power, he is the life-giving, life-changing source that we need in our life. And he has the power to transform us. So that's whether we're going from those who do not know Jesus to falling in love with him and believing in him, whether we have been mature Christians for many, many years and we're just struggling or feeling dry or feeling like we need help, he is the life-giving, life-changing source that we need. Amen? And, and what my message quite simply today is that the same one who performed this miracle of transformation 2,000 years ago can perform a miracle of transformation in your life today. I really feel passionate about that. that. That on this, a May bank holiday weekend, what, what can be just another Sunday, that this could be the Sunday where finally something clicks. Finally something happens. This week I received the word when I, when I was away at, at the conference and, and the way it was spoken and the way it was said, I just received it in such a way and I was like, Wow. And something clicked in me. Something changed in me. I don't know if you've ever gone on a process and you've gone on a journey and sometimes it's like wading through mud and you're like, when is this ever going to change or, or take root or, or begin to happen? And sometimes it just be a catalyst that can bring change. Sometimes it can just be a moment that brings change. And my prayer for you is this, this word and this scripture will just really light the fire within you and give you a passion, give you a desire. It may just give you some energy to get up tomorrow morning and go, I'm going to do it one more day. That may be all I'm going to give to you today, but I really hope and pray that it encourages you. So as we begin in verse 1, it says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Cana was a village just north of Nazareth, the town in which Jesus which was, was raised in. And Jesus' mother Mary was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Many scholars believe that this was a large and prominent wedding. It wasn't just a wedding where you invite your friends and family. This is where the whole town goes, right? This is the, the whole community comes and attends this wedding. It was a, a large occasion. And then something awful happens. If this was to happen in Ireland, it would be the talk of the town. Verse 3 says, when the wine was gone. It was a dry wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Can you imagine? You're all just acting like good Christians now, eh? <laughs> but this, it is funny. But why this is important is this. It would have been a devastating to happen in this time, in this day. Why? Because 
This was not just a celebration of the union of man and woman coming together. This was really, uh, the reputation was on show of the family. So for, for the family to run out of wine in what was a wedding in Ireland, it lasts from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m., right? That's a typical wedding in Ireland. In this day, it would have been Monday to Sunday. It would have lasted for a week. And so for, for this to happen, it would have brought the family in disrepute. That they had put on this occasion, that they had put on this celebration, and they hadn't thought through or followed through in their preparation. So this was going to bring disgrace in the family. And it says that Mary, Jesus' mother, notices what's about to happen. She notices that something is going to happen, and so therefore she takes the problem upon herself to be resolved. And she goes to Jesus, and she tells him, they have no more wine. I love that, that she just states the problem. She states the problem to Jesus. She doesn't tell him what to do. She doesn't tell him what way to do it. She just says, here's the problem. Verse 4 says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. The message translation says like this, this isn't my time. Don't push me. She went ahead anyway. Tell the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. I'm convinced Mary had a bit of Irish in her, right? Because she is such an Irish mammy, isn't it? Isn't it such a mammy thing to do? Just do whatever he tells you. But what, what we need to understand, this wasn't a disregard for Jesus. But Mary knew what Jesus had the power to do because she knew who he was. He knew, she, she knew his identity. You see, this is a little baby that had been born to her, given to her by God as a 16-year-old teenager. Had been given to her. She knew every piece of him. She knew every, every blemish on his skin. She knew his personality. She knew the way she watched as he grew up before her and was able to communicate with his Father in heaven. How, I, I don't know, was there other miracles that had taken place in their household where she was like, I love steak today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I haven't got enough time to go down to the shop today. I don't know what happened or what, what, what she experienced, but... She knew who Jesus was. And here's the thing. Our problem oftentimes is, is not in understanding what he has the power to do or not to do, but it's knowing who Jesus is. And if we would grow in our understanding of who Jesus is, it will give us greater confidence for what he has the power to do. We'd have a confidence to say, why not? I know who Jesus is. My identity is not based on me and my self-worth, and what I have the power to do, but what on, on Jesus has the power to do, and accomplish, and to save, and to make happen. And verse 6 says, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial, ceremonial washing, their washing of their hands, the washing of their feet, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. This would have been about 100 liters, which would have made 135 bottles of wine, which by six is over eight, hundred bottles of wine, right? It's going to be a good party, right? It's, <laughs> it's, some of you get nervous when I say that. <laughs> Verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. I love that. Just those words, fill them to the brim. 
not an ounce was wasted. When Jesus says that he will do something in our life, he will bring it to fulfillment to completion. That it will bring us, that he will fill us to the brim. Scripture says that he will fill us to, to overflow. That will be so full that we will not be thirsty for the word of God and for the spirit of God. Why? Because we will be so full. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. This is the wedding organizer who is responsible for every detail, the food, the wine. And it says this, they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. That's important. His disciples believed in him. The title of my message today is more of a question than it is a statement. It's this. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that Jesus has the power to Bring about transformational life change and miracles in your life, in your mind, in your heart, in your home, in your community. Do you believe in miracles? You know what I, what I honestly think that when I say those words, that what you hear, do you know what I really think that you hear? Do you believe in fairy tales? Because that's what the majority of us think. A miracle is a fairy tale. It only happens to certain people in certain ways that are either better or more than or are in, you know, different countries or in different times or different in the past. But Jesus says that his, that his power is for us today. What is his power? His power is to be able to perform more than you could ask for, think of, or imagine. Do you believe in miracles? And if the, if the answer of that question, maybe even reluctantly, is yes, then what would you ask Jesus to perform in your life? What miracle would you ask of him? If you could just hold on to some of his, his words that he spoke, ask in my name and it will be given to you. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open. If you had the faith, if we decided we're not going to just mess around and just be nice Christians and, and, you know, just go to church on Sunday and we're just going to live a good way and live a life, nice life and, you know, that, that's the rest of our life. But if we truly believe, I believe that Jesus is the power to perform miracles, what would you ask of him? And see, this, this very first recorded miracle, this, this is a, a statement of what Jesus has the power to do. It represents that Jesus has the power to perform miracles of transformation in our life. You see, I want to illustrate this for you. Alan's going to jump up for me and grab this jug of water. He's going to help me out with this. Give him a massive round of applause. <laughs> you forgot something now, but that's okay. I'll go get it for you. It's only second time to do this. <laughs> Here, here, here's the thing. Let's get serious for a second, right? That's serious face. This, <laughs> sorry. this plain jug of water, 
This represents our life. Okay, plain Jane. Plain Sean. Sean and you, on your own, has the power to do nothing. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we work, no matter how much we can think of or imagine or, you know what, today, what, it, what it's all about, if you visualize it or, or if you just picture it or if you can speak it into soul, then it will come to pass. That is not true. We are just plain water. But when we give our lives to Jesus, what happens is we surrender our life to Jesus and we accept salvation, we, we accept forgiveness, we accept the cross and believe that he was raised from the grave, what happens is this, is he transforms our life from the inside out. And what happens, if you just hold that up for a second, really high on, we'll keep you there for a few minutes. What happens is this, we are still the same person, but the substance of our life has changed. The very substance of my spirit is completely new. It's completely different. So therefore, when I ask you the question, do you believe in miracles? And I ask you to pray to the one who has the power to perform miracles. You are not praying to yourself. You see, today, the gods that we worship is the God of self. If you want it, you can get it. If you want to be it, you can become it. If you, if you want to achieve it, you can work for it, wish for it. And if you want it hard enough, then you will get it. Jesus says, come to me, all you, every single one of us, and I will make a new. And, and within you, he has the power to transform our life. Thank you so much, Adam. We got it right in the end. Here's the truth I want you to grasp in this, in, in this illustration. Jesus has the power. Jesus has the transformational, wonder-working, miraculous power. You don't. You don't. You know what I hear when I hear that? Well, thank God. Because it takes the pressure off me. See, we've grown up in a, in a religious culture of, of legalism. And, and I say that that those people who even grew up in that may have never even gone to church or heard the Bible, but it's within the fabric of our society. And it's, it all depends on you. It all depends on you. Jesus has the power you don't. So therefore, when we pray, we would pray with confidence because it's not about how much I pray, how hard I pray, it's the one in which I pray too. That's what it's all about. And as I was asking and pondering on this, well, asking the question for, for each of us, what do we need to do in order to experience this wonder-working power? And the answer is this, to believe and have faith. To believe and have faith. Now I know each and every one of us are like, well, of course that's the answer. 99% of any Christian would, would answer that question, question that way. That's what we teach in kids church right that's what all of us know it's rudimentary it's like well you got to believe and have faith how, how how patronizing can that be at times when he, someone says that to you you just need to believe and have faith but here's the way that I truly believe that we can capture this and grasp this it, it's it's what we do with the faith that we have that's important 
It's not about having more faith. It's about using the faith that you have. Jesus says, your faith may be as small as a mustard seed, but I tell you, if you say in my name, you will move this mountain from, from here to there. What's the importance here? It's not your faith. It's what you do with the faith that you have. That's what is important. We all have potential. But most people get to the end of their life with lots of unused potential. Most of us, as Christians, we can get to the end of our life with so much faith. We've been praying to God, God, give me faith. And God's like, use the faith that I already gave you. You have faith, so use it. It's putting our faith in action. It's stepping out in our faith. It's living in faith. It's having that, that boldness, that confidence that God is able to do it. Why? Because he promised it and I have faith in his promises. Martin Luther King said it like this. I can choose to live and die for the cause of racial unity and freedom. Or I could give up the opportunity and live a longer and safer life until I'm 90. But the truth will be, I'm just as dead as a young man as I am at 90 if I give up on living for the cause to which I'm called to. Wow. We often live our lives as Christians with the miraculous power of Jesus Christ alive in us without realizing the potential of the power that he can have in our lives. We can either live our lives as comfortable and as safe. And if I don't believe and have faith, then I won't be disappointed when it doesn't happen. Versus I'm going to live my life to the cause in which Christ has called me towards. I'm going to live in faith. I'm going to speak faith. I'm going to have faith. The power and the wonder working miracles is not down to me. It's all down to him. And how... Can we witness and experience this faith being activated? And this is how God revealed it to me in this portion of Scripture. And this is what I've been living by and living through. And this is really where my faith lies. And I want to share it with you is this. It's to believe. It's to have faith. And to release. It's to believe. And then release. It's to believe. And then let it go as, as if what you are believing in will happen. Because that's faith. Faith is putting your trust in what is unseen. In what has not yet happened. And it's to believe and it's to release. And, and often, like I, I know, all of you, every single one of you would make this statement, I believe. But unfortunately, many of us would say, I believe but not enough to release. I, I, I believe you, God, that you are the provider of my finances, but not enough to release my tithe. I believe that you are, are the Lord of my children and you will protect them, but not enough to release them into your hands. I believe, God, that you will, you know, guide me in my career and what you have for me and what I put my hand to, but not enough for me to release and to trust and to follow the path that you've given me. I believe that you have forgiven my sins. I, I sing praise the Lord, hallelujah, 
but not enough to release and let you forgive me and receive your forgiveness. And I say this not to condemn, I say it's to say every single one of us are the same. We, we, are, we are all this, and this is, this is where the crux of our faith can lie because it's to believe and then to release. Many of us, what we do is we put the emphasis on, I need to believe more. But God says, no, you need just need to release. You need to let it go. You need to begin walking in faith as, as if that which you are placing your faith in is coming to pass. It's going to happen. I'm telling you, there's been so many days where I thought, what is going to happen Keep going back to his word and what I believe in. That is what's going to happen. That is what's going to come to pass. Imagine how our lives were to change if we live this way. We believe in release. Imagine what our marriages would look like if I released my spouse rather than trying to control them. Imagine what our children would look like as they're gone from us in the day and maybe they're gone from us and we haven't seen them. I said, God, I'm going to believe that you have your hand over their life and I'm going to release. Imagine what your job would look like. Imagine what in this time, in this day where there's so much instability and uncertainty, where am I going to be? What am I going to do? Am I going to have to move country? Am I going to have to move jobs? You say, I'm going to believe, I'm going to release. God's got this. God's got this. It's, it's going to work out. Just think about that for a minute. It's going to work out. It's going to be okay. Am I going to feel okay? Probably not. But you got to get over your feelings. Because it's not about your feelings. It's about your faith. What do you believe in? What do you have faith in? Are you willing to believe and to release? And as you study the scriptures, we look at the scripture in verse 7 to 9. We ask the question, and this is the question I believe is an important one for us to understand when we look at this miracle, because it's not just about turning water into wine, it's about the transformation. And I ask the question, at what point did the miracle of transformation take place? At what point? You see, we see that Mary sees the running out of wine, she comes to Jesus with the problem. Jesus says, gather these six jars, and then verse 7 says, fill the jars with water. So they fill them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. At what point did the miracle of transformation take place? Well, here's what my belief is to bring it to you today. I believe that the, the point and the act of the miracle taking place was these three words. They did so. They did so. Jesus instructed. Jesus spoke. Jesus told them what to do. They did so. No wondering. No doubting. No questioning. No going back to Jesus. What did you say again to do? What was it? What way will I do it? How will I do it? When will I do it? Where will I do it? No, they did so. They acted out of obedience and taking action on what was spoken. I believe it was at the point of acting that the miracle took place. Come on, Alan. I'm going to use you one more last time. He knows this is coming. Where? Pour me some fake wine there. Here's what happens. You can put that down for a sec. Here, here's what happens. Just to illustrate for a moment. The miracle took place when it passed from their hand 
to the master of the banquet. You see, it's in, it's in our letting, it's in a believing and releasing that the miracle takes place. How is it always, don't know if you've experienced this, when I get to the place, when I finally let go and stop worrying, stop waiting, stop wondering that it always happens. You ever found that? Here's what happens when we sense God speak to us. We hear in a sermon, in worship, in time with the Holy Spirit, and He prompts us because it's, it's a prompting. It's never this certainty. It's a sense. It's an inkling. It, it's, I, I, can, I can just feel that God is directing me here or leaning me here. And what happens when God calls us to act on it, and when He speaks to us and He tells us to act on it, here's what we do. Let me just check it just a little bit longer. Okay, it hasn't changed just yet. And then we just, what happens is we continue to hand it to him, but take it back and don't release. We, we wonder and wonder, when is it going to happen until we finally release? And here's another part that I found that's so sad with, I've been in the church for 30 years, is witnessing many people give it to God only to take it back. They give their life to God. And it, it's not about losing faith. You ever, you ever heard that? They lost faith. No. They decided to take it back. And maybe you've been in that place where you've, you've, you've taken back with what you once gave to Jesus. And he says, will you trust me again? Will you give it to me again? Oh, but I trusted and they hurt me. Oh, but I trusted and it didn't happen. And God says, release and see what I will do. Thanks so much, Alan. Here's a question for you. Where do you need a miracle right now? Where do you need a miracle right now in your life? What area of your life do you need a miracle? When I, when I say a miracle, I don't mean like I, I need God to, to just shift some things. Or I need God just to, if he could just alter this. If he could just give me a little bit of that. If he could just bring it. No, what, what miracle? What's, what's the part in your gut in, in, is, uh, that's deep down that you're almost afraid to speak? It? Maybe it's a miracle, a provision of a child. Maybe it's a miracle of provision of a, of, of a relationship, of a spouse, of someone to come into your life. Maybe it's of a, of a friend. Like it's, it's someone that you could actually like, I can, I can be with and we've got like-mindedness and actually someone who can trust and be around. Maybe it's, maybe it's a provision within your career. Maybe you're just feeling like, I, I, this sucks, I hate it. I, I want to change, but that means I'm going to have to go back to college or I'm going to have to do this. But God, would you perform a miracle? Maybe it's a miracle within your finances. Where it's, I don't know if it's, if your family's like our family, it's where we used to have margin, now that margin's gone. Sometimes it's, it's just like zero at the end of the month. Sometimes it's minus at the end of the month. Maybe it's like, God, I, I prayed you give me a miracle in my life for finances. What miracle are you asking God for right now? What miracle would you, be, would you be so willing to choose to release and to believe? And I know it's not just as simple as believing and releasing, and yet it is. 
Of course, there's always so much more that we can do. You know, you know we, can, we can work harder, we can study more, we can be more effective, we can make changes to our habits, our thinking, and all those things that we can do. And we should do all that we can do, but release the rest to God. Release the rest to Him. I want to finish by sharing this last story with you. Is I'm just going to invite the team to come up. And it's an experience in, in my life that some of you may know before along with our journey, but it took place just two months before we launched Open Arms Church here in Dublin. And it was January 2018, and it was myself and my wife, Gillian, were sitting in the consultant's room of the maternity hospital in Rotunda Hospital. And it was there that the consultant began explaining to us what the facts were and what was going to happen and shared with us the news and was saying different terms like deformities and syndromes and the, the life expectancy. If even this child was to be born, it will not be a very long life. And even if it was to be born, it will be a very low standard of living. And this was the words that were be spoken and our heart was breaking as you can only imagine for some of you, you've heard those words or you've heard them in a certain way. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I, I think it was the only time that I've ever done this. And deep in my heart, I prayed to God and I said, I will do anything. I will give anything. I will go anywhere. I will give you all that I have, all my money, all my energy, all my passion, if you do this one thing. You ever pleaded with God that way? You ever tried to barter with God? I'll trade you this. And, and that's where I was in my, in my heart and praying. And I remember the consultant left us for a little while. And this is right before even the services that are available today. But she was trying to get us to decide to end the pregnancy. And she left us. And myself and Jillian, at that time, this question began to form within me and within us. And it was this. Do I believe in miracles? Like, it's easy to say it, isn't it? It's easy to say, have faith, be strong. Be courageous. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. That's easy to say. Anyone can say that. But do I believe in miracles? And we made that decision together. We said, let's believe for a miracle. That was the hardest decision to make. We did not have any confidence, any courage, but just a morsel of belief. Just an ounce of faith. And that's all you need. And, and this is the other part that for us that we experienced was, was we chose not just to believe f for one another, but we contacted that day dozens of people. And we said, this is the facts. This is what the report is. This is what's happened. Will you believe with us? Will you pray with us? Will you inter intercess with us? Will you, will you stand with us and have faith with us? You know how, how scary that is? I want to challenge you and encourage you. What have you been believing in that you've been keeping quiet? And you've been keeping it quiet because you think that I can confine the damage. 
I can confine the disappointment. If I don't tell people, well, maybe when it doesn't happen, then it won't hurt so bad. And here's the power. The power is not in us, the theology that goes, you know, if you speak it, speak it loud enough, speak it more enough, then, then it will happen. That's not what I'm saying. But if you speak it and share it with others, they'll stand with you. And they'll keep you accountable when you begin to fall into doubt. They begin to keep, to hold arms with you because that's what the church is. That will, that's what community is. That's what unity is. Where two or three are gathered, there he is. If one falls down, the other is to pick them up. One may fly, take flight 1,000, but two can take flight 10,000. What's that? It's the power of unity. It's coming together, saying, I'll be with you and you be with me. I'll have your back, you have my back. Let's believe together. God can do this. He can make this happen. And that every single week, in 20 weeks, that the day he was born, every single week, and I love to exaggerate and preach, but I'm not exaggerating. It was every single week, it was the same report. This is the facts, this is black and white, and this is what's going to happen. And we need to continue every week. Believe. Uh, we're still going to believe. But what happens if we'll cross that bridge when it comes? Right up until the day, it was 25th of April, just last week, 2018. He just turned five last week and he was born and he was perfect. And he was perfect. <laughs> he wrecks our head half the time, but he's still perfect. That's a joke. And I want to say that we've had to continue to release surgeries, operations, sicknesses, all different stuff going on, but had to continue to release. But here's the other thing. Because I've sat with and counseled and been with so many parents who lost kids, so many parents with deformities, with uh, mental health problems and all these things, we made the decision we will love him whatever whatever the condition. Friends of mine, recently, they had their son for 20 hours. But it was 20 special hours. And we made, it, we made the, the, the decision, we will love him no matter what. And, and I believe, honestly, if the miracle that we thought was going to happen didn't happen, we'd still believe for a miracle. Still believe for a miracle. Maybe he would live that way for a short time or in a certain standard, but we still believe for a miracle. I want to encourage you. I know there's so many here right now. You've either had that moment in, in a different capacity, context, a different way that it happened. I want to encourage you. Maybe you haven't seen it, the miracle come to pass. But God's calling you to believe and to release. Believe and to release. I spoke to someone who's been crippled Almost their entire life and their entire Christian adulthood, they have prayed for a miracle and they're long into their years and they're still praying for a miracle, but they have just as much faith as they had if it's not going to be performed. That's what it means to have faith. My faith is not in the miracle. My faith is in the one who has the power to perform miracles. You may be crippled physically, mentally, emotionally. But sometimes it's the crippling that causes us to depend more on Jesus. 
Sometimes the miracle is not what's going to happen and what we think is going to happen, but it's happening on the inside. I have a softer heart. Let me tell you, the pain and loss and grief I've experienced in the last five years, man, I would not be who I am without all of that. Either with you. You're here. You're with us. And here, let me just finally share this last scripture with you. If I can find it. John chapter 2 verse 10. It's a word for you to hear, to write down, to know. Everyone brings out the choice wine. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. You saved the best now. Who saved the best now? Jesus has saved the best to last. The world works in a process. But the kingdom of God always saves the best to last. Always saves the best to last. I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't come to pass. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come for your life, in your life, in your heart, in your mind, through your emotions, through your relationship, through your finances, through the provision that you needed God to happen. He saves the best to last. Hey, would you just close your eyes with me and bow your heads? I ask you that question one last time. Do you believe in miracles? And if the answer is yes, what is God calling you to believe and to release today? And I would challenge you as you pray that in your heart, as you know, you, you even allow yourselves to think it, to ponder it, to, to think on it. Would you be willing to release it to God, but would you also be willing to speak it to someone else? I'm praying for this. Look, I could be a bit crazy. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but, but I'm believing it. Will you believe it with me? You open up your life in such a way that you'll be open for disappointment. Open with the doubt. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is to grasp it, to take doubt, and even in spite of doubt, to still believe, to still release. Maybe today, just with your head bowed, your eyes closed, with your hands out before you right now in this moment. Would you just say these words with me? Say, Jesus... I release, I give it to you, I let it go, I surrender, and I believe in you, in Jesus' name, amen.